Here's a, here's a question that you want to ask yourself here um, this morning as um, putting a, together a message on the problem of pride. And uh, I mean, how can anyone ever speak with the problem of pride, you know, and, and get away? I do have a message on humility. I'm just waiting for a big enough crowd to preach it to. And um, is that a bad one? But when you think of the word pride, does it strike you as positive or negative? What would you say? Negative? How many say negative? Just negative. What about positive? Anybody think of it in a positive sense? Um, I mean, I, I, I look at my kids, if I can, you know, gloat on them for a moment. And Ellie, with all her hard work heading to college and all the stuff that she did to get there and her hard work at Chick-fil-A and... And um, everything that God has done, I'm a proud parent. I'm thankful to the Lord. Uh, um, I don't think that's a negative pride. Uh, you know, I'm proud. Johnny and his leadership on the field, you know, he's not a talker. He's not a bragger. He just leads with his example up there. And we were in a coach's meeting the other day, and one of the coaches says, that Johnny's a leader. He should be a captain of our team. You know, just looking at him and, and everything. I'm proud of that. I'm thankful to the Lord for that. Joshua, young Joshua, you know, 15, um, running the whole uh, live stream, a 15-year-old. You put that on a 15-year-old, that's not an easy job to do. And I'm thankful for his technology and his smarts. And, and Abigail, I got to pick on her. I'm thankful that she owns stock in Build-A-Bear. And, and, uh, <laughs> She can start a stuffed animal company tomorrow if she wanted to and make a living out of it. But um, no, just how she's wonderful and I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a wife that loves me and loves God, you know. And so you, you can be proud um, of, of the things that you have in your life in a good way. But then there's the negative pride that so easily comes into our hearts. And we make minor achievements major ones. We make them out to be big deals. And they're minor. Very minor. But in our eyes, we did it. And so we're proud. I threw out the garbage this week. Now, one amen. Do you know the mess that you guys left after Easter? Do you know the garbage out there was ripped? It was garbage all over. I had to get a broom, and you feel sorry for me? A broom and a, a, a thing, and I mean, and me, the, the, the pastor, that one ain't ready. Took, picked up dirty, I don't know what they were. What did we eat for Easter? I mean, stuff, that dirty stuff, and... Put it in the garbage. I did. After that, I felt like the greatest pastor in the world. And you guys don't know how blessed you are to have me. And uh, <laughs> see how pride just easily comes into your heart and minds. And just a minor thing all of a sudden becomes a major thing in our hearts. Um, we all struggle with it. Yes. And, and we're going to see here in this passage where it brings us. And it's very sad to say where it brings us. Um, I want to I wanna study with you Second Chronicles chapter 26, and we're going to go through this quickly and look at a, a few things here. And, 
and just see uh, from King Uzziah. And we took a little break from the kings, but now we're back and looking at him. And if you remember, there was a southern kingdom and a northern kingdom. And most of the kings in the northern kingdom were all ungodly. And, and, and some of the kings in the southern kingdom, and that's Judah, were godly kings. And we're focusing more on the southern kingdom. But let me, let me just tell you this. Uzziah, he takes over the throne here in verse 1. And let's look at a couple of things about him. But did you know that before he took over the throne, four of the previous monarchs were killed, including his father? How would you like to take the throne knowing that your own dad was killed? How would you like to take the throne knowing that the person before him was killed? And then even a lady took it over and she was killed. And so it says here in verse 1 that Uzziah, I, I love that name because it means the Lord is strength. The Lord is strong. Yahweh is strong. That's his, that's his name. And, and notice in verse 1, all the people of Judah took him. And, and this is interesting because the people weren't really voting and bringing kings in. But yet when he gets there, they, they, they want him. He's the people's choice here. And he was, look at him. 16 years old. Now that's young. And here's what's interesting. He co-reigned with his father for a little while. It, it'd be like me getting up here and saying, you know what, Johnny's now your co-pastor. <laughs> now one amen. <laughs> See, I don't know to get amens. You don't get amens either. My own son doesn't get amens. You'd be like, Johnny's the co-pastor. He's only 17. Who would give him a responsibility like that at that age? Uzziah, 16, leading the nation as the co-king. I mean, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. And, and it says here, made him king in the place of his father, Amaziah. Now, what we know about Amaziah is that he was a king who started off so good, but at the very end of his life, it says, he turned away from the Lord and the people killed him. How do you like that? And so he has that example uh, verse 2, one of the highlights of his, his reign here is he built Eloth, if we want to call it that. Some Bibles say Eloth with, a, with an A, and there's you know, a Hebrew thing there. But, but really what it's talking about is he opened up a seaport, and, and because of the seaport they can trade with the nations. So really in verse 2 what we're seeing here is that he opened up of chance for the prosperity of the nation like never before until it's in Solomon. So he's a king that's going to prosper. And in verse 2, we see that. He opens up the sea path. He gets it poured again. He gets it back. And they didn't have it since Solomon. Now look at verse 3. He was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. It's a long reign. 16 plus 52 is, uh, that's, a, that's a lot of years, all right? 68, I'm not, I know a little bit of math here. Yeah, thank you very much here. But, but 68, he's, he's, he's reigning a long time. This is a good duration of a reign here. And we know nothing about his mother. You study it out except her name. That's all we know about and you can't even pronounce it. Let's look at verse 4. Look at his character here. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. I love that. But look what it says in verse 4. This verse should encourage you. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Now Amaziah was no saint. <laughs> Believe me, he made a lot of mistakes. In fact, it says he turned away from the Lord. 
Yet in God's eyes, this is what's amazing. In God's eyes, his father tried. And I praise God for that. I praise God that he looks at us and doesn't want us to be perfect. He just try, try, try to love him. And, and he honors that. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, like his father did, and he, the bad example that he has and all that, but yet his father tried. And here what I love about him in verse 5, it says, He continued to seek God. In the days of Zechariah, he continued to seek God. Don't miss this. He had a heart to go after God. He had a heart to understand what God wanted. He had a heart to pray to God and to hear from God. He sought God. And he not only sought God, he had somebody to help him. Here's, here's what's important. Zechariah. Now, here's what's going to blow your mind. You know how many Zacharias are in the Bible? Everybody's like, whoa, Zachariah the prophet. We know Zachariah. How many Zacharias? There's over 20 Zacharias. All right. That blow your mind? You know which one this is out of the 20? Tell me later, because I don't know. We don't know. He just wanted a Zacharias. What we do know, here's what's interesting. He did have understanding through the vision of God. And he was a spiritual advisor to Uzziah. And here's what's important. We all ought to have that in our lives. We all ought to have somebody in our lives who are spiritual advisors, who help us know what God wants out of our lives. We have this uh, couple that was, going, that was at Falcon, but now they're studying at Calvary. And they said, uh, Jeremy, will you do premarital counseling with us? I said, sure. So I meet with them, you know, through Zoom. And I love doing premarital counseling through Zoom. You know why? Because I, you could, I, I, I say this. If you want to marry him, press enter. If you don't, press delete. Amen. It's an easy way to get over the... No, I'm kidding around. But anyway, so you have this thing. That's the world we live in now. But one of the questions I asked him, and he had a pause. I said to him, who is your spiritual advisor right now? Who is leading you spiritually? He was like, oh, uh, I, just, I, I guess it's, who's your pastor? I don't have a pastor. Where's the church you're going? I'm not going, I, we're trying to find a church. Who's leading you? We all ought to have an answer to that. Yes. There ought to be somebody in our lives who's our spiritual advisor. Who's helping us walk with God. Who's there not just patting us on the back and along the way. Who's asking us the tough questions. Who's there in our lives telling us, you need to walk with God. Here's how you walk with God. Here's what you need to do. They help us walk with the Lord. He had that. And look what it says in verse 5. As long as he sought the Lord, God did what? God prospered him. Now this is not a prosperity gospel. He's not saying as long as he sought the Lord, he had health and wealth. That's not what it's saying. But what he is saying is somehow, in God's own way, he honors when we seek after him and we want to live for him. And as long as he made that a priority, God did what? God helped him. God prospered him. I love that phrase. He sought the Lord. He had a spiritual advisor in his life. And 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 then God prospered him. Let's look real quickly at a couple of the verses on how God did that. How, how did God help him? Well, first God prospered him with victory over his enemies. Look, let's look real quick. He, he went out in verse 6 and he warred against the Philistines. Well, the Philistines are still giving problems years down the road. And look what he does. This is what is amazing about this guy. He broke down the wall. And then it says, and he broke down the wall and he names three different places. But then it says this in verse six, he built cities 
in the area. He didn't wipe the people out. He defeated them and then he helped them. That's a king, by the way. You say, why is that so important? Because look at this in verse 7. God helped them. And, 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 that's, and that's a strong word in the Hebrew. God enabled him to do this. And, and, and he had victory over it. And the people respected him for the way that he had victory over them. He didn't go in and just wipe out the nations. He went in and showed them, I'm going to wipe out as much as I can, but I'm going to build and help you. I'm going to be there for you. Wow. You say, how did that help him? Look at verse 8. God prospered him by extending his fame. The Ammonites also gave what? Tribute to Uzziah. They paid him taxes. You know what I love about tax season? Money gets out of hand during tax season. Money gets out of my hand and into the IRS. Amen? <laughs> Do you know why they call it a 1040 form? Do you know why? You ready for this? Because every 50 bucks you make, 10 go to you and 40 goes to the IRS. Amen? <laughs> Have you ever spelled the IRS? It spells theirs. Are you with me? Do you understand tax season? You know how it is? And I hate how people cheat on their taxes. This is not the country I want to raise my 29 dependents in. This is not. That was a really bad. Ruth already heard that one 10 times. But here we go. Look at this here. Look at this here. The Ammonites gave what tribute to Uzziah. Do you know what it meant when they paid tax to another king? They meant that they were admitting that he was superior. They were saying, you're superior to us. You, 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 you're, you're a king. In fact, his fame starts to extend. You don't want to mess with this guy. He wiped out certain places, but he built out, he built these cities. He took care of them. They paid tax and tribute to him. They're saying, wow, he's amazing. God is prospering him. Yes. The Ammonites give tribute to him. And it says here, he became very strong, very strong. He is increasing in strength here. Look what else happens here. He has, this bothers me about this guy. He has successful building projects. Watch this. He built towers in Jerusalem and fortified them. Back then, the towers were military towers to fortify the city. If they could see people, enemies coming from a long distance, and they would have these towers there. And look what else he built. He built cisterns, it says here in verse 10. Where? In the wilderness. Let me tell you something about Colorado, and you guys know this. It is hard, hard to keep green grass. Amen. Try it. And then get a dog. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs kill yards. We bought this our first house here, and they had all these juniper trees, and kids, all beautiful trees. And all, I don't like trees, tree, but all these beautiful trees, they died. One by one. How many was there? 16 of them. They all died. Bing, 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 bing. We had to pull them all out. You ever been to In-N-Out here? Do you know the difference between In-N-Out Burger here in Colorado and In-N-Out Burger in California? You want to know the big difference? Here's the big difference. Are you ready for this? The palm trees. Here they're dead. Have you seen them? They're trying to, who built palm trees here? Colorado's not a palm tree place. They built the palm tree. Wow, beautiful palm trees are dead. 
You can't keep him here. But look at this guy. He has cisterns in the wilderness, and he and it goes well for him. That's what bothers me about him. And look at this. I love this in verse 10. He loved the soil. He's a man of humility. He's a man who didn't mind getting his hands dirty. He's a man who enjoyed building things, and God prospered it. He had the Midas touch. I can kill a chia pet. I don't know how. I don't have the Midas touch. But he loved the soil. He's a farmer. He's a hard worker. Let me just tell you something. You've been around farmers before. Farmers are very hard workers. They wake up very early in the morning. They're on track. I tried it one time. I, one time. One time. I was done. I went with this guy. He was in the church in Iowa. I said, I'll get on your tractor. I get on the tractor, and all we see is corn, 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 corn. All day, corn, corn, corn. <laughs> I was like, thank you for inviting me here. I appreciate it, but that's about it. That's about it. I mean, every day he sees that. He loved the soil, and God is blessing him. And he's got, I could just imagine seeing the palace and everything and all the beautiful landscaping that he had. What else does God do? God prospers him with a well-trained and well-equipped army. Watch this. And Uzziah in verse 11 had an army ready for battle. Oh, you're not messing with this guy. He had, a, in fact, he, he split them up. He divided them up and he had different people. Look at this in verse 12. He had a total number of the heads of the households of these warriors was 2,600. You say, how big was his army? Look at verse 13. It was an army of 307,000. And he could wage war with great power. You say, so what? We saw kings do that before. What's special about this king? Look at verse 14. Watch this. Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and sling stones. You say, okay, you're not impressing me yet, Jeremy. What else did he do? Verse 15. He made engines of war. This guy was an inventor. He made some kind of machinery back before this machinery was even around. And, and he, he invents this stuff. He, he makes this machinery. is not, nothing to compare it to. He makes this that could shoot things far away and, and kill armies from a long, long distance. And he did it all. He, he invented this. And he's got these skillful men and, and all these people. And his fame is spread. You're not going to mess with this guy. And you're definitely not going to go to war with him. Because he had a way to shoot arrows and stones from a long distance that no one else had. State-of-the-art stuff. And look at verse 15. He was marvelously helped until he was strong. And this is talking about God helping him. He was marvelously helped. God was helping him until he was strong. He's, he's an amazing man. He can, he can fight the war. He can build the garden. He can invent the machinery, and he's got all the fame. Wow. He's got it all. Verse 16. Here's where it gets sad. He's marvelously helped until he was strong, and watch what happens. But when he became strong, look what happens here. His heart was proud. Let me, let me, let me tell you this. 
There's something about prosperity that leads to pride. There's something about things going well that extinguish our passion for God. There's something about when things are normal, how it's so easy for us to forget God. It's something about trying and, and, and having this success and, and working hard that all of a sudden we start to believe in our own stuff and we start to think that we're the ones that made that happen and we're the ones that are doing all these things that we just lay God aside. I never forget when I went to Iowa and they made me a swing driver at FedEx, which mean, meant I did everyone's route, not just one route. If they didn't show up that morning, they put me on a route. God bless. I was excelling. The time was amazing. And it was just amazing how God, I won employee of the year, employee of the month twice in a year, 80 guys. And I was it twice. And the dispatcher came up to me and said, Jeremy, you do everything well. If I could have bought a shirt, that said, I'm the best FedEx driver on the face of the earth. I would have. I just thought, there's no driver like me. I'm the fastest out there. I'll handle two routes. And I did sometimes. I want employee of the month. Must be doing well. 80 guys, they chose me. All of a sudden, you start believing your stuff. You know how God humbled me? The next week I get stuck at a house in Perry, Iowa in the snow. I asked the lady to open up the door so I can make a call because this is before cell phones back then where you could really call. And I said, can I please? No, no, you're not coming to my house. So I go back, forth, back, forth. I try to get out. I try to get out. I finally get out of her, her, her driveway. I get back to the station. Monday morning I show up. My boss goes, come here. Was this you? I destroyed the lady's yard with my truck. He said, if you weren't so good, I'd fire you right now. Here I went from the shirt, the best in the world, <laughs> to God humbled me right when I started believing my stuff. It's so easy for us, something about prosperity. It is amazing. When 2001 came and, and a lot of stocks crashed in different countries and in Argentina where they closed the banks and people could not get their money and they lost everything that they had and they had to wait online sometimes to try to get at least 10 bucks to eat. And I asked the pastor then, I said, how were churches back then? He says, churches were packed. Because people couldn't get their money and they couldn't live their lives. So they needed God. It's amazing when somebody comes to church and they say, you know, we're coming because we got a problem. But the moment God solves that problem, they disappear. There's something about prosperity that leads to pride. And he became so strong that his heart was what? Proud. Watch this. Look at this. I want to show you this. The definition of, of pride is a, a feeling of deep pleasure, a satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. We, we start to feel, oh man, we've made it. We're there. We've arrived. We're okay. We don't need them that much. God solved our problems. We're all right. We don't need them. Look at this. 
Look at this, what it says here. The problem with pride is this. Pride seeks to ungod God. Look what it wrote, he wrote in Deuteronomy. Then your heart will become proud and what? And you will forget the Lord. That's what happens. All of a sudden we think we're okay without God. We don't need to seek God. Everything's okay. COVID is over. Amen. We don't need to seek God. We, we're all right now. We can go live our lives. Our heart becomes proud and what do we do? We forget the Lord. We un-God God. Instead of waking up and seeking Him with our own heart and, 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 and having that spiritual advisor in our lives and, and being teachable, all of a sudden we think we've made it. And we don't need Him. You say, how do I know if my heart has any pride in it? I want to go through this very quickly because this is very convicting. And I'm proud that I put this together. But look at this here. <laughs> Watch this. This is as convicting as it gets. How do you know there's some pride in your heart? Watch this. Some guy, Stuart Scott, I don't know why he did this, but he wrote this, uh, Manifestations of Pride. And let's see if we have any of this in our hearts. A lack of gratitude. People who are proud think they deserve better. I deserve better. I deserve a better boss. I deserve better pay. I deserve better friends. I deserve... They're never happy with what they have. Here's another one. A lack of admitting when you're wrong. Proud people never admit they're wrong. They can't. They never say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. They don't want to admit it because if they admit it, it shows what? They're vulnerable. Look at this next one. This is a killer. Resisting authority or being dis disrespectful. They hate authority. Who are you? I, I don't want that authority. I don't want that in my life. I'm all right with the, without the authority. Proud people hate authority. They're disrespectful people. Look at this next one. They see themselves as better than others. Aren't you glad you married me and not so-and-so? Aren't you happy you have me as a father? Can you imagine if you had so-and-so as a father? Look at how they do their stuff. We see ourselves as better than everyone else around us. Look at the next one. Perfectionism. Oh, man. They have to have everything right. They, they can't show just a little bit of mistake. Everything right because it's all about image. It all has to be perfect. And when it isn't perfect, oh, it didn't go so well. So everything has to be perfect. Look at this next one. Having an inflated view of your own importance, gifts, and abilities. I'll never forget when a missionary said we were at a, a table. He said, the only hope for this country is right here at this table. Uh, God could take you out any moment. And yet he thought he was the only hope for the country. Look at this next one. They're unteachable. You can't tell them anything. They know everything. And then, and then the last one. And this one is in every one of our hearts. Anger and frustration with us. Proud people cannot tolerate anyone else. They get mad easy about, about other people's faults. And they're frustrated. They live frustrated with others. Now, how many of us struggle with pride? And it comes out. I was talking to someone this week and I said, you know, out of love, I want to ask you a question. And then I mentioned, why didn't you do this? And the person snapped at me. That's your opinion. All I was doing was asking. 
anger, frustration with others, being unteachable. Look what happens. But here's the problem with pride. Look, go back to verse 16. Look at this. This is the problem with pride. It hits us, it hits us all here. And this is, this is where it gets scary here. The problem with pride is we start to cross the moral lines that God does not want us to cross. And look what happens here. His heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. And, and, and here, here's what happens. Yeah, we have anger, we have frustration, we, we look down at people, we don't want to be taught by anybody, we disrespect the authority, and we start crossing the moral lines that God doesn't want us to cross. I remember a good friend of mine that got into this position, and I begged him, please, you got to be careful, you can't do it. But, but all of a sudden, he made it. So he started crossing the moral lines. And look what happened. He, he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord as God. What does he do? Look at verse 16. He enters the temple of the Lord. Don't do that. And he enters to burn incense on the altar of incense. You say, why is that? So because that was for the priests. He wasn't supposed to do that. But yet he's got it all. God's blessing him and, 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 and he's the king. So now he wants to be a priest too. He wants to cross the moral lines. And he acts corruptly and unfaithful to the Lord. I was reading about Rabbi Zechariah. You know what aches my heart about him? Is the fact that he told the women that he, uh, that he did stuff with. He told them, I sacrificed my life. I deserve this from God. He crossed the moral lines because of his pride. We do the same. We do the same. We say, I've, I've done what I can. You know, I'm, I'm, we, we, we cross the moral. God prosper. We don't need to read the Bible. We don't need to, we don't need church. We're fine without God. We cross the moral lines. He enters the temple of the Lord. Now, you know, what, you know what they were supposed to get for that? If somebody did that, they were supposed to die on the spot. But God is a very gracious God. Look what happens. He sends these people there. Uh, Uzziah is confronted. Uh, you, then, then Azariah, the priest, enters with him. He's got 80 priests, valiant men. They have to be strong men to confront this guy. I mean, you're not going to mess with him. But look at this in verse 18. They tell him as it is. They oppose Uzziah, the king, and said to him, It's not for you, Uzziah. What are you doing? It's not for you, Uzziah, to burn the incense of the Lord. You know this. You know the law. It's for the priest. It says it right there in the Bible there that the sons of Aaron are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, they tell him. What are you doing in here? You're unfaithful. And look at this in verse 18. This is amazing. You will have no honor from the Lord your God. We can, we can, we can, we can translate it saying this. You are not glorifying God doing this. God was not pleased with this. Get out of the sanctuary. Now he had a choice right here like we do when somebody confronts our pride. He had a choice to say, you know what? I'm wrong. Uh, boy, I shouldn't be in here. What in the world am I thinking? I've, I've made a mistake. Thank you so much for coming into my life and tell me about that. But look at verse 19, how he reacts. This is just what we do. But Uzziah, with, with, the, with a censer in his hand for burning incense, look, look what happens. He's enraged. You're telling me how to parent? 
you, you're, you're telling me what to do? Uh, who are you? That's your opinion. He's enraged. We're the same way. You're telling me I need to change something? Who, who, who do you think you are? I'm the king. And can you imagine this? While he's enraged, he's holding it, he's about to burn it, he's enraged here. While he's enraged, look, look what happens to him. God's response, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Do you see that? Leprosy breaks out on his forehead. Remember, God could have killed him. But this was the dreaded disease of that day. And you say, what's so big about leprosy? This is like getting COVID. You got to start quarantine. You need to get out of here. And so instead of just killing him right there, God gives him a living death. Here's where it gets really sad. It broke out on his forehead. The priest, I can just imagine, he's all red. He's enraged. And all of a sudden, his head starts turning white. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Back away. This guy has leprosy. Remember the lepers back in those days? They had to stay far away. They couldn't even be around the people. So what did they do? In verse 20, they tell him, they looked at him and said, Behold, he was leprosy. Come on, get out of here. You got to get out of here. They hurry him out of the house. Watch this in verse 20. The Lord had smitten him. The same God that blessed him is now breaking him. And how about this? Want to see a sad ending? King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a where? In a separate house. How would you like to be quarantined for the rest of your life? People complained it was 10 days, and they would die in the homes and couldn't wait to get out. How about if you were told you are never going to get out of your house? You are never going to be around the people. You are never going to enter into the house of the Lord again. You are done. That's what he got. That's where his pride brought him. And not only that, this is amazing. When he dies, verse 22, it talks about the rest of the acts. And in verse 23, look what they put. Look how they describe him. So Uzziah slept with his fathers and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the grave which belonged to the kings. For they said what? He's a man who can invent things. He's a man of war. What did they say about him? He, he, he's a man who, who, who built beautiful gardens and cisterns and towers. What did they say about him? What, what did they say? He's a leper. None of the wonderful things that he did in his life do they remember him by. They just remember him for what? His pride. And what it brought. He's a leper. Isn't it amazing that now when we mention Ravi Zachariah, we're not talking about all his evangelistic efforts and the wonderful people that he impacted and all that and all the things that he did. We're talking about how he sinned and how he was unfaithful to God. God help us to not go down that path. You say, Jeremy, help me here, please. How do I deal with my pride? How do I deal with it? Let's just look at this real quick here. Some lessons we can learn, and this helps us to deal with our pride. First thing is, we, we are to seek the Lord. It's God's job to bless as He sees fit, but seek the Lord. It's hard to be prideful when we're seeking God. He puts us in our place through His Word, through prayer, through spiritual advisors. 
Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Here's another thing that helps with pride. Understand this, that sometimes handling success can be harder than handling failure. We won a game this year, 37 to nothing. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing in baseball. Let me tell you, it was harder to win 37 to nothing than to get blown out 20 to nothing. It was harder to maintain our cool and maintain our humility winning 37 to nothing. It's harder to handle success sometimes than it is to handle failure. So you know what we do when God gives us success? We thank him, we live humbly before him, and we realize this next thing, that the same God that blesses us is the same God who can break us. He has every right to do it. So before we start thinking that we're some kind of big stuff, don't forget the one who brought you to that point. I'm amazed that after COVID, before COVID, when COVID hit, everybody was like, oh, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden now we can start being back in church. And it was amazing with the blessings of God and, 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 and people who got sick got over it and were thankful to the Lord and all that. But it's just amazing how we forget the God that brought us to this point. And we start to live our own lives without seeking him. That's the pride in us. Let's not go down that path. Let's seek the Lord. Let's handle success well. It's hard to win well. And let's realize that the same God who blesses us is the same God who can break us. Let's pray. Father, there's no doubt, and you know it, and others around me know it, We battle pride every day of our lives. And Lord, it's so easy to forget the one who brought us to this point. And to go on and live our lives and cross those moral lines that don't please you. So Father, help us to cultivate a life of humility. By waking up each morning and just opening up the Bible and saying, I need you. By remembering how hard it is to handle the success stories of our lives than it is to handle the failures. And to remember that the same God who blesses us has every right to break us. Because you love us. <clears throat> So help us not to see others and look down on them and get frustrated with them. Help us not to try to live a perfect life to perfectionism and get so upset when people see things that may not be perfect. Help us, Lord, to have a teachable heart. Help us, Lord, not to get mad when people point out faults in our lives. Help us, Lord, to have those advisors in our lives that really do care about us and are willing to tell us the things we need to hear. May not want to hear it, but need to hear it. We look to you, God. We learn from King Uzziah. And we pray that you change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.